0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Inspirited Politics podcast, focused on exploring and inspiring innovation in politics. My name is Satara Edward, and I'm the founder of Inspirited Politics. In this series, we talk about unleashing the potential in politics to create a positive impact on our society for the long term. I speak to guests from inside and outside the political arena, asking them to shine their light on conscious innovation in politics. Hello, everybody. Today I am joined by Devika Partiman, the founder of the successful initiative Vote for a Woman in the Netherlands. Devika is a social entrepreneur and activist at heart. On the topics emancipation, political change, and diversity and inclusion, she is an experienced speaker and consultant. I have gotten to know Devika as a determined person with a hands-on mentality who is willing to share her experiences and open doors for others. Welcome, Devika. I'm so happy you can join me today. Thanks. Me too. As you might know, we start uh, our podcast always with the same question for all our guests. For you, I'm going to ask it as well. Um, Just imagine you are invited for the UN General Assembly in New York. I think it was online this year. And um, they are talking about conscious innovation in politics. You have been invited to speak and to share your um, wisdom. What would you speak about? And what would be the concern you would like to address?
1: I would talk about the, mostly the lack of women, but also the lack of a broader representation of people in politics, uh, for sure. And it's an, it's, it has two sides both concerns me that politics should be a representation of the people it represents so the very basic assumption would be that but also politics at the moment isn't very accessible for a lot of people the language is too hard for example um, which makes a lot of people actually not able to understand or follow it so both issues are uh, close to my heart
0: Okay, so you're saying, and representation, and accessibility, actually, in um, that sense. Yeah. And what do you think would improve if we can handle those topics or tackle them? Well,
1: a lot. (laughs) I think mostly what would change is that a lot of people maybe wouldn't feel the need so much to do it themselves as citizens. Like, take activism, for example. Um, To me, that's usually just a sign that people aren't heard enough or seen enough in politics so that when citizens have to put in the effort to not just demonstrate but create grassroots organizations, try to get their topics on the agenda, usually to me that's a sign of a failure by politicians, that they're not heard enough, they're not represented enough. So I hope that that would change.
0: Yeah, is that because it's interesting for you to say that, because that's actually the route you took as well. Like you started really as an activist in, in various <laughs> sure. areas. Um, was that because you did not feel represented or that you weren't uh, attracted to what you were seeing happening in politics?
1: Yeah, a big part of it is that. it's. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of activists kid that they would love to do something else if, if the issue wasn't too important to them. And we can all think of more fun things to do. But uh, yeah, I, I never really followed politics when I was younger. I'm still pretty young, but still. Yeah. <laughs> I always had the idea that it was a man's world, that it was a white world. And it is, obviously. But um, I also really didn't know about all the other people involved that I didn't see on television, for example. Because there's many people in politics trying to do good work, obviously. And there is some representation It's just not that visible. And the reason I wanted to get active was just because I saw, for example, issues like in the Netherlands, the, let's call it a discussion around Black paint. Yeah. Where politicians were completely incapable of responding in a proper and also, yeah, in a proper way and in a way where they could actually have that discussion based on history based on facts, Um, it was all feelings. And at that point, our parliament had no black members. So yeah, those kinds of things, I started noticing just what lack of representation really meant, and as a woman, it really concerned me as well because you see other countries like Brazil, the United States, Poland, Hungary, and many others just take away women's rights if the political party, and that's the biggest there, basically wants that and with not enough women involved that's a risk for every country I think
0: yeah and I think there was something you just said that I've never realized you just said you know I think most activists would prefer to do something else (laughs) and that's for sure but I think it's maybe also for our (laughs) listeners uh, a point that that not everyone is aware of because when you see activists it always feels like a enormous group um, of people and you don't realize that can you just just um, expand a little on that and saying you know really I really have better things to do but you know <laughs> I just feel so engaged that I feel I I need to go out there because actually that's a new light you have given on the topic for me at least I've never looked at it in that way
1: no I mean really I can think of so many better things to do <laughs> or more fun things to do I mean I love I love my work so uh, let's put that first but also my work contains. A lot of discussion, a lot of hate, um, a lot of really slow progress, and uh, very little money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, the combination of those factors, I mean, if it wasn't necessary, I I mean, for before I became basically a full-time activist, I was a festival producer, and I love producing festivals. Like, it's super fun. You meet so many creative people, and you're still doing activism, but it's, you know, it's a completely different... Yeah, type of sport.
0: <laughs> yeah, so and, it's really the inner yeah. drive that drives you for to, to do this. Can you yeah, speak for sure. about the initiative that you are very well known for, at least in the Netherlands, um, Stem op een vrouw, vote for a woman. Uh, can you tell our audience a bit more about how that uh, initiative started, uh, what you all do and what you all have achieved?
1: So we started in 2017, um, in January, just after... Uh, Uh, Trump got elected in the U.S. just to create a time frame for the listeners. That was the period of time we were in. And um, it was very close to the Dutch parliament elections. And actually, the election of Trump gave me the motivation to look into Dutch politics, like the representation of women there, uh, representation in general. How bad was it? (laughs) And what? yeah, it it was actually lower than I thought. Okay, so you looked into it and
0: you were actually (laughs) negatively surprised.
1: Yeah, because I thought, you know, the party leaders, yeah, they're men. I mean, that's what we're used to and we knew that. But I didn't really realize that all the other politicians in every layer of politics were that badly represented when it comes to women. So it was, I think... On average, maybe 25% of politicians in the Netherlands were women. In the parliament, it was a little higher, around 30%. But yeah, it was way lower than I thought. So <laughs> um, started talking to colleagues and other people about the subject. And I felt I wanted to do something, as a couple of others did in my surroundings. And then we started, yeah, basically a campaign. We wanted to tell voters about what we had found out that so little women were represented, and also how they could fix it, that through a preferential vote, a vote specifically for a woman who is a little lower on the list, and you can get more women elected, and...
0: uh, Yeah, yeah, so how does that system work? Because Mm -hmm. you're saying you'll actually introduced a very effective tactic that actually really changed the results, if I'm not mistaken, right? Can you just um, explain to our audience as well how that works? Definitely,
1: Um, because we tested a lot of strategies as well before we we did calculations and everything to see what would be uh, the best to sell, but also the best to work. And we we came up with this. So basically what we saw is that the people in the Netherlands that voted for women usually vote for the highest ranked woman on the list. Um, Mm -hmm. So usually she's on number one or uh, mostly two on the candidate list. And these women got so many extra votes, basically more than they needed for a seat, that basically they trickle down towards the next candidate and the candidate after that and the candidate after that. And uh, at that time, about 70% of those candidates were men. So all those votes for that first woman were going to a majority of men at most political parties. So what we
0: what we and promote was not was basically... that people had men women men women on the list so that was no not the case they would after the woman second woman on the list there will be more men coming down the list is that what you were mm-hmm. seeing okay yeah i
1: think back then about maybe two or three political parties had that man woman men woman system yeah in there, at least in their top 10 but very little of them and uh usually only on the left and middle spectrum of
0: politics (laughs) okay okay sorry And so what
1: we found out uh, about the tactic is basically what is very effective is when you look at the um, at the polls yeah and you look at the current amount of seats uh, a party has you can sort of maybe predict how many seats they will get a little bit and when you take that number of seats let's say it's five and you know they're going to get five seats and in those five seats are only one is only one woman then you can vote for the woman on place number six or seven or eight or nine or ten and if they get enough votes um, preferential votes then they get basically bumped up on the list and they take the place of a man usually or a woman that was placed higher so that's basically how it works you need a lot of preferential votes for it to work so Yeah, the public has to somehow decide on the same person without us saying who that has to be. But usually you see that people feel attracted to a couple of the same candidates, so they vote for them in big masses. And then they get elected anyways and they bump up the list, which is, uh, yeah, it's basically hacking the voting list. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: what's the effect you all have had um, so far on the elections with this system?
1: It's pretty big. Yeah, we've... um, we've been around for almost four years now and the parliament elections are coming up again and this will be the first time we're doing an election twice if you know what I mean. Yeah. And just the candidate lists for this time the ones that are presented now by political parties are such a big difference. Um, over the last few years we've really pressured parties or actually the voters pressured parties to put more women on their candidate lists because they're there have been so many preferential votes, there have been over 150 women elected by preferential voting in the last four years. Wow! Yeah, so political parties really feel like, okay, <laughs> this is what the voter wants. Uh, if we don't put enough women on top or at the list, um, then the voter is going to correct us. And obviously, that's not what they want. So yeah, they've definitely, we've definitely. Uh, created a new conversation about it and way more is written about it than a couple of years before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you were really capable of illustrating that politicians need to be really aware of what the people want. And it's not always obvious if you don't like reach out to the to the voters um, and make them passionate about something, actually.
1: Yeah, Yeah, a lot of people, I think, before weren't really motivated to look into the candidates either, like, who are all those other people on the list that are not our number one or number two? And I think we're creating at least a part of a generation that is willing to look into the candidates better and see who fits my profile, who looks like me, who do I want elected, and not just put their blind faith in the party and the candidates they chose to be on top.
0: Yeah, so you all are really making voters more conscious and aware about their vote and using their vote to impact the system in that sense. And yeah. not to take it like um, as the norm that we just go for the number one or two on the on the list. So that's been... Exactly. And you'll have been really effective in that way. So huge compliments for you all as well in that um, sense. What would you, um, or what are the opportunities for people who are not in the Netherlands to um, to use this system? Or do you know if it has been copied in other countries um, already?
1: I don't know. I, I hope it will eventually, <laughs> um, because a lot of people, a lot of countries have the same voting system as we do. So yeah. there's a lot, um, there's a lot of countries where you can uh, vote through preferential voting and you actually vote for a candidate, not a political party or for one candidate in your district. So it could be very effective in a lot of other countries. Um, So far, we haven't seen it yet. We do know we have some followers in Belgium where this could actually work. Um, We are in contact with uh, a woman who wants to start a similar initiative in Poland. Yeah. If you know the political situation there, it is very necessary. And uh, we actually have a colleague from Germany who might start something there so there's I know there's some individuals that feel like this should be there in my country but yeah you need so much time and effort and a team also to pull it off so
0: uh, yeah so what were the factors that you needed to pull this off what made it successful if people are listening and especially people who feel you know I'm passionate about something but I don't know where to start um, what would you say were the factors that really helped you all pull this off?
1: A couple of things. I think from the very beginning, we realized that, um, there was gonna be criticism and we better be prepared. Can I so ask what you,
0: what we, was it, the biggest criticism you all got? What was the criticism that was most common three years ago?
1: Uh, well, the most common comment would be it's about quality, not gender. Um, it's not actually really critique. It's more of a dismissive remark. Yeah. That we get, uh, we get very often still. Um, but there's a couple of things like it's not about quality, or women just don't want to become politically active, or um, men can represent women as well. So what's the problem? Um, there's a couple of those dismissive I- remarks.
0: So you were thinking about the criticisms.
1: Yeah. So what we did, we basically, we uh, had a brainstorm in the team of like, what would the possible criticism be? And we prepared for every possible question or critique point. uh, And we actually like, we managed to get them all. (laughs) I remember when we started, like we had an answer for everything. So, but that really helped because... um, we were able to put it into frequently asked questions and that's how we framed it. And uh, that gave us a very easy response to people that were just from the top of their head, just saying something about it. And we would have like a nice and also scientifically correct, usually an underbuilt answer to their question. Like for example, it's about quality. You can show by research that, you know, the quality of democracy actually improves with a greater diversity of candidates. So we really prepared for the critique and we also made sure we really um, pushed those answers when we talked to journalists, for example. Yeah. Because obviously journalists want the voice of the people in their articles. So they would usually also begin about these subjects and then we would have our answers ready as well. We would tell them like, you can look into our FAQs and find the answers there as well. Yeah, So I think that really helped I mean, people will always frame you or or say something or whatever, but we, we made sure we were able to turn it around and also create it within our team and our followers, a group of people that were able to have that discussion and have an answer ready.
0: Yeah. Can I just ask you, because you, you are talking about a team and about your followers already. So for these people who are out there in Germany, Poland, wanting <laughs> to start something, how did yeah. you get your team and your followers as well? Because for you, well, it's already so mm-hmm. normal, but for anyone out True. there passionate about something, you know, these little steps, what did you do just to make it all possible?
1: Um, well, I had, the, I had the luck that I worked at a campaign agency. So... I had a couple of colleagues who knew stuff about communication and were willing to put in free time in the project. So that was a big help. And actually, when I first had the idea to do something with it, I just messaged a friend of mine because I wasn't really very active in feminism, but a friend of mine was, Nikki. So I thought, oh, I'm sure she's going to like this idea. So I texted her like, hey, I have this idea. Do you want to help? And uh, she said, no, I don't have time, but she did, <laughs> she did refer me uh, to another group that she knew, um, with a, with a couple of feminists in it that were already doing, uh, different online actions and a small group with small impact, but still. So she referred me to a couple of people and we ended up finding our website builder there, for example. So basically I just asked around at work and, uh, with friends and then those people asked around and. That created a small circle of people who said, sure, I want to come to the meeting and I want to join in the conversation about it. And that slowly filtered out over the course of, I think, two years or something into a a functioning team.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's beautiful because you're illustrating, you know, how everyone can start something. Um, and it's just by asking around and maybe getting a no, but then getting another connection and just really how these things work. So sorry. So you had the team and then you had mm-hmm. your, your critiques prepared. And what else was mm-hmm. really helpful in being successful in launching this and also getting the impact you all wanted?
1: Well, there was one, there was two things that we actually felt we really needed to do because we needed to make sure it looked good. Yeah. I thought it, that was very important. So I was really happy the moment we found a website designer and then later we found a graphic designer who said, okay, I'm willing to create a style for you so that it looks nice. Yeah, And I think when you look professional, even though you're not, <laughs> people will take you way more seriously. So that was a big help. And lastly... I don't know. I think it's also, I had a couple of years experience in, in online activism for a different group. So I knew how important it was that your message was very clear and you needed to be very clear about what you wanted people to do. Um, So we made sure that we had a very simple message that as many people as we could get it to would understand the language wasn't going to be too hard. Uh, It was very visual for people who are more, yeah visually oriented and i think that we did a good job in doing that i think we just prepared well we made sure it looked good and that people would understand what we wanted and why and then it was good preparation plus a proper doses of luck that the media uh, we sent out a press release we basically is an email to you know news uh
0: news agencies uh, say, I'm not sure agencies <laughs> yeah. yeah I
1: think so yeah saying like hey uh, there's this campaign called vote for a woman and they're striving to get more women elected so and so and so and one of the bigger news outlets in the Netherlands picked it up within a few hours so we had just started our social media accounts and we didn't really have a following and <laughs> yeah but we were lucky enough to have that medium think oh that's interesting yeah and from there on it just uh yeah the ball kept rolling.
0: <laughs> I think it's really beautiful what you're saying because you're you have really practiced what we as inspirited politics have as an approach so if you are self-aware heart-driven and you follow the potential you can be very impactful so and this is just a live um, example of how that can happen or how things can be realized when people are really just you know coming from that inner purpose and drive. So, um, yeah. When would you say the work is done, there we go. Well, it's super abstract. But to
1: me, I think the work is done when, now let's say at least 95% of the people in the Netherlands have the feeling that there is somebody in politics um, that they can identify with. Yeah. Okay. So that they know there's somebody out there, even if it's just one, hopefully more, that really is there for... M- you know what i find important and for what i need yeah great that they know it not just that there is somebody that represents them but that they actually know who that person is that they can feel like they can get in touch they can get
0: involved yeah, yeah. okay beautiful target and just out of curiosity do you all have any men in the team um
1: yes we do we have one man in the team at the moment <laughs> yeah uh, his name is Noel. He's great. Um, he's also, he works in politics. And this is the second or the third man, the third man we've had in the team. So it's, they're very badly represented in our team.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But so, but you are open to them. It's not like you all are saying yeah, for all sure. women um, initiative. So it's absolutely also accessible for um, uh, men or um, people who identify with another gender.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's just uh, because we're still pretty small, um, we just usually don't really have the time to actively scout volunteers. So we basically depend on whoever sends us an email saying, I want to get involved. And uh, yeah, very, very rarely a man does that. <laughs> and <laughs> then at that point, when we, need, when we need somebody, then it doesn't matter You know who they are.
0: <laughs> yeah okay and just out of curiosity as well you were saying at the beginning from you know politics is so inaccessible what did you all do beside keeping the message simple also to reach people uh, for example who who don't speak the dutch language or who maybe can't um, read or write or um, you know uh, because mm-hmm. representation is so important were there any tips and tricks you all had for that as well
1: well I don't think we're doing enough yet, um, but there's a couple of things we do. For example, our website is now in both English and Dutch, and we're adding languages slowly. Like as soon as we have a volunteer or somebody who says, I can make a translation, then we can add another language. So one of our volunteers is now adding German, for example. Yeah. Um, So that's important. We find language use super important. So we make sure that everything Uh, we bring to the public in our campaigns as an a fairly easily understandable language level so that people won't be like what I don't know what this is I don't understand this word so difficult words which is very you know it's very hard to say what a difficult world is for word is for everyone but still we try to really stay away from that and keep sentences short and simple even though it's politics so it remains hard (laughs) yeah and I think one of the the favorite things we do is um, what we've seen is that it's very hard for people to find information on what political parties are even on the list to vote for and who the candidates are. Because right now there's no government website called voting or elections or something.nl. Yeah. It's just basic information. There's just no website. So there's no place you can go to to find what parties can I actually vote for who are the candidates what is their program you have to go to every individual politi- political party website to yeah. find that data which is absurd so uh, at our own website since 2019 we've been collecting uh, for every election the the parties that you can ele- that you can choose and their election programs and all the candidates and then you can click on the candidates the female candidates <laughs> to find more information about them. And they really want to grow that. But I'm actually trying to get the government to create that
0: website because we shouldn't be the party that does it. No, I agree. It's a good point that actually um, there is not one accessible point for everyone to get all the information. I hadn't realized. No, it's really weird. But when you say that, I realize that we do have in the Netherlands the the site that that helps you choose your vote based on on the program. So it, it, it has the parties in there, but if you really want all the information, you are just really dependent on who you meet on the street from which party actually nearly, or your exactly. own resources in that sense. So that's a good yeah. point, especially in these days. And that's come up in all conversations about when it's so hard to find reliable information. So a great point um, there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the, um, what you mentioned, like the websites where you can, Uh, Basically click on different polls to see where you stand on the political spectrum. Uh, Usually they don't include all parties. So the biggest one um, used by millions of people every year only includes parties that are currently in Parliament. So it's, it's really, it really annoys
0: me. (laughs) Uh, So another mission coming up there at least. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I had uh, the, if I had extra time and money, I would definitely start
1: a decent website uh, that does that. So Mm -hmm. if anyone is listening that wants to do it, please
0: go ahead. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Any listeners who would like to contribute, who has any ideas for this, um, please be in touch. Uh, We are coming to the end of this podcast already. And like we start with an opening question, we also have a finishing question for everybody. And um, what we have been doing is we have been accumulating all kind of wild ideas that could create innovation in politics. So one of the ideas has been to start all political meetings with a check in and um, to maybe have yearly meetings in nature what would you implement in politics if you had a like a magic wand or if you could like realize something immediately that would change the um change the political um arena
1: oh wow (laughs) that's a big question um yeah i'm gonna go for quota
0: okay so explore just just give us a bit of explanation it's it's a
1: classic answer i know but um you know, it's what they say usually about progression and equality, like you can let it go its natural course and you're going to wait a hundred years or you're going to fix it now. And maybe not with an ideal means, quota is definitely not ideal, but it does fix it very quickly. And then from there on, you create more role models, you create more representation and that leads to more representation. So yeah, I mean, we can talk about this forever. (laughs) Or just fix it once and then stop talking about it. That's really how I feel.
0: Great. Your magic wand would introduce quota um, in all the political arenas. So that's very, very clear. Thank you very much. You Thank too. you for your time today, um Deweka. Um for all our listeners, if you would like more information about uh, Devika, you can find it on our website, inspiritedpolitics.com, and I hope you enjoyed this episode.